I read something that j- just kind of made me giggle. And I was like, well, that's so true. But it's it, from a woman's perspective. And it said, there's nothing sexier than when a man has his shit together. Wow. And, and you know, huh. an alcoholic man or a man who cannot say no and who cannot cut himself off. It, it, it's just not sexy. All right, guys. Well, welcome back once again to the Functional Life Podcast. Coming at you today on Election Day, Tuesday. It is Election Day. It isn't that funny. You got your sticker on it, so it's cute. I do have my. It is cute. I voted early, so I'm not. Ha- I don't have one. Sure, you did. Yeah, I went to the wrong place. Did you? <laughs> yeah, but they, I they haven't gone yet. Right, huh? Aren't we all just fitting in with our personalities? <laughs> yeah, went to the wrong place. Abby's like, I mailed mine in last February, so I'm good. <laughs> I still got to go today. Okay. <laughs> right before That's they close. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, awesome. Well, welcome back. We've already heard from our two guests here, Abby and John. We are back on another episode of this uh, this little fun experiment, the Functional Life Podcast, where we get to discuss all the elements that make up a happy, healthy, fun, functional life. And uh, we've got a fun one coming at you today where we're going to talk a little bit about uh, something that's been going on in our community here in Synergy, something a little, a, a topic that's that's been making its way around. And I've got two of our guests here that one of them is a coach here at our community. This is Abby. One is a member and long-term friend of mine here in the community, works out with us a lot. One of our athletes we mentioned a couple weeks ago on Aaron's podcast is one of the ones that he likes to try to beat. Mm-hmm. That's he John Harwood with me. Beat him. Um, beat him we're going to talk about all things uh, drinking, alcohol today, which I think is going to be kind of off-putting to a lot of people, kind of a weird topic to bring up. But to set the stage for that, I've been sort of on a campaign for the last year or so, I guess you would call it an anti-alcohol campaign, mostly from the health standpoint. Um, that I'm losing and I'm probably going to lose it, but I, it's a message that I feel compelled. I need to get out there anyways. So we've got, uh, four of us, they're all friends here and we all have different relationships and come at at different places with this, this little thing called alcohol. Uh, Well, I mean, you can't have a functional life without, without asking that question about alcohol. It's a big part of, um, it's a big part of our society. It's a big part of everybody's life. And so, you know, maybe it's off putting if we took the, the route of it's all evil and terrible, but I don't think that's necessarily the the case, but it's worth talking about because it does affect our health directly. Yeah. Um, and I think that's some of the things we'll get into today. So the fun thing is, uh, I guess in, it, we, we have one question we usually ask people, but I'm going to, I'm going to trick and go to another one because we've got four people to get through here today to, to talk about their backgrounds, alcohol. So I might have to ask a fun question first. This is a little off the wall. Just got to kind of imagine, put Love yourself in a, in a weird place here, especially for John. This might be hard, John. But if you were forced to drink an alcoholic drink for the rest of your life, and you can only pick one, so you're going to have to drink this. But it's got to be one drink. It can be a cocktail. It can be a flavor. It can be any kind of alcoholic drink you prefer. But it has to fit every snare. It has to be something you could have at home. It has to be something that works on a hot day at the beach, a fall football game, a steak dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. If you were forced to have one, what would that or what was that when you were drinking? What? <laughs> Let's go. Me or Abby, you go first. Ladies first. I I'm one of the few that I love the taste of beer. Wow. I I really do. Um, Sun King Brewery in Indianapolis, where I'm I'm from Indiana, 
they make a great cream ale. Sun King cream ale. It's a heavy answer. It's, I, I actually, there have been moments in the last, what is it, year and a half that I've been without alcohol. Yeah. That I have actually missed that taste. That I thought, I have thought, if I have a drink and break this silence of, of yeah. drinking, this, you know, this streak, that would be the one that would do it for me. That's a streak. That, that, would, that would be the one where if somebody said, hey, we've got a bunch. It's a great day. We're all gathering. It's <laughs> a good experience. That would be the one that would break the streak for okay. me. Cream beer. Okay. Cream heavy ale even. Mm-hmm. For a strong girl, it makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes For those sense. of the listeners who don't know, Abby's one of our coaches here. A bronze medalist, Olympic weightlifting, actually. Master's division. Mm. Pound uh, for pound, the uh, absolute strongest person in our gym. Yeah, yeah. And so, even without the pound for pound, one of the strongest people. Mm. Yeah, stronger than a lot of men. <laughs> but Ab- Abby and I tell people is Abby is... It, not just physically, but f- and this sounds awkward, but physically one of the most impressive human beings for I've sure. ever met. In my for life. sure. Uh, but impressive on lots of levels. And we'll yeah. allude to what she talked about there if she had to break her uh, silence on alcohol. John, what would yours be? Cold Budweiser. Oh. And then I would sneak a shot of Crown. Dang. Oh. Bud Heavy with Crown. Cold Bud- <laughs> That's Cold an all-American Budweiser. answer. Cold beer. Cold Budweiser, man. <laughs> sneak a Cold shot beer. of Crown. I'd, man- I'd, I'd sneak that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I only said one. Uh-huh. Yeah. I only one. And knowing, knowing you as well as I do, that makes total sense. Uh, at least the Budweiser part. This is the man that drove, what is it, a 70-something Bronco here probably. 78. 78 Bronco. Yeah. That's a Budweiser kind of man. <laughs> that is. That's a fact. What's yours? I, I, well, I kind of told you earlier, I think it would be, again, I'm, I'm not someone who loves alcohol at all, the taste of it. I only like the effect of it. Uh, so it would probably be like my latest thing was vodka and fresca. Mm-hmm. It had to be something light and refreshing. It's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. That I could have, I, I don't want to taste the alcohol and I want to, usually when I'm drinking, it's more in hot environments. So I'm thinking beach, football yeah. games, yeah. summer. So it has to fit that one more so than it would be like a steak, a steak dinner. That would be weird. Yeah, I think I could sure. fight through yeah. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you had to. Jason, what do you got? Yeah. I think I would go Tito's and lemonade for sure. It's yeah. incredibly refreshing. It's excellent on the golf course. It's excellent at the beach. It's excellent at a pool. Like I did not see that coming from you. Mm-hmm. Jason doesn't drink beer, I don't think, do you, Jason? Nope. No. Yeah. Ever. It's nasty. I would have thought you would have said, like, bourbon or something. Mm. You look like a bourbon guy. Yeah. There, are some, good there are some bourbons in there, but yeah. if you had, if to, have if had one, to have wine, yeah. I mean, Tito's isn't bad either. Yeah. I'll take that on the beach. Yeah. 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 I like well, it. let's dive into okay. uh, the first sort of part of this, I think, is Let's let's get for our listeners your all's history, where you came from, what your relationship with alcohol was. I don't care which one the two of you start, and we can chime in on ours. Be very easy, but yeah, um, maybe John, you start because I think you're going to have probably the most extreme history with it. <laughs> so maybe, us. yeah. Um, well, I grew up in an alcoholic home, okay. which was normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was we, dad worked, mom worked, we all went to school, we had everything. Um, I drank when I was, I think I was 10 years old when I had my first sip of alcohol. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Um, wasn't bad though. I mean, it wasn't like I was, we got ra- you know, raging drunk every weekend or every, when I was 10, we didn't. Yeah. Um, so, you know, drinking for me was, was fun until it wasn't fun anymore. And that happened when I was 39 years old when it didn't, wasn't fun anymore. Mm. Um, for reference, how old are you now? I am 48 years old. Just okay. turned 48. So almost 10 years yep, ago. Yeah, 10 years ago, yep. I gave my life to Christ a year before that. Okay. And my drinking just got more and more miserable until one day I was done. And uh, 
yeah, but you know, I, I enjoyed it when I, when it was fun. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy it for the taste or for the effect or can you remember um, the difference? You know, I don't, I mean, did, did I ever like the taste of alcohol? I don't know. I mean, cold Budweiser was good. Um, I guess it just probably the effect. And it was and I, very socially normal for you because you grew up in a house. I grew up was... in it, and, you know, I guess it was. But even from the first time that I that I got drunk, I remember I got sick. And, you know, most people, when, when they poison themselves, they don't do it again. Right. And for some reason, I did. Yeah. And I continued to do it for a long time. Um, but it just, you know, the crowd that I ran with, I mean, we all, that's all what we did. And, um, so anyway, yeah, but, um, you know, today do I, you know, I always chuckle when, when you put the, your, some of the podcast or, you know, these apps that tell you how much to drink and not drink. I just think it's funny. I'm like, if I'm going to drink, I want to drink all that I can. Right. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, try to me trying to, to measure that or, you know, guideline that some way is just too much work. It seems stupid, doesn't it? It does. You know, let's it's either do it or it. yeah, let's either yeah. do it or don't. Yeah. yeah. So um, I relate to that part. So yeah. Right. <laughs> so you know, I, I don't. I hate to say that the doom and gloom was it doom and gloom for me drinking. Um, I just got miserable. You know, I just hated it. Hated myself, and it was the way I drank. So for uh, our listeners, where you sit right now, you are self-labeled admitted. You call yourself an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic in recovery. In recovery, baby. One day at a time, right? One day at a time, man. That That is so true. And, you know, if anything that I've got out of being sober is that, you know, just living one day at a time. Yeah. Um, You've been sober how long? You it'll, be t- it'll be, uh, actually, I, I just looked. 3,223 days today. Wow. Not that I'm counting, but I looked because I knew you'd probably yeah. ask that. I like that. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Well, hey. there's an app for that, and, and it, I checked it. So, Can I ask, did you ever hide it? Oh, yeah. I, I hid it. I, I would okay. I would rather drink alone than be at a party drinking with people. That is something to admit. Wow. Yeah, I would rather because most of you guys didn't drink like I drank. Right. Like, what? Is, is he got the bottle turned up? Wow. I mean, you know, normal people, normal drinkers don't do that. Yeah. Is there a time looking back that you would say you realize you were dependent on it? Like when, I mean, sure, as a kid, you're partying, you're hanging out, social, college, whatever. Is there a time like, no, at this point, I was a full-blown alcoholic. You know, I don't. Is it a gradual thing that you don't realize? I mean, I don't know if I would identify being dependent on it. The way I identified is the obsession I had with alcohol. Okay. I got to. You know, I went to bed. I'm not going to drink tomorrow. I woke up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm going to drink today. Okay. You know, it was it was the obsession to drink. Yeah. Not necessarily the. So it occupied a lot of space in your mind. Oh man, everything. You're already thinking about where all day long. Where you're going to buy it? When you're going to buy it? I'd be in this podcast saying, "When I get out of here, kids, nobody will be home. I can stop by." You know, just. Yeah. Hmm. You were uh, at 39. I assume you were married and had. A couple of kids. We yeah, we had um, was married. We had four. Uh, Miles, let's see, it was what year was that? Emma was ten. Yeah. So yeah, Miles was a baby. So for the first ten years of Emma's life, though, your oldest, mm-hmm. um, you were drinking. I was drinking, heavily. and all she remembers, and I'm blessed by this, is that she remembers smelling on me a mm-hmm. couple times. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you know, I remember as a kid with with my dad, man, that smell just. 
made me crawl. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Hated it. Hated it. And, um, you know, you know, growing up and then associating that with my dad was tough. And, you know, I was never going to be like him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know. Did your dad ever get sober? He did. He, uh, he actually, he died from liver cancer from alcohol abuse. Wow. Um, his last year he was sober. Uh, he was, I think he was miserable just because of a lot of the physical stuff, but, um, it was the best, you know, that was the best year. I don't want to say the best year of his life, but, uh, seeing my, my biggest prayer as a kid was seeing my dad. I wanted him to go out sober. I wanted him to, and he did. And it was, you know, I prayed that in the, does the Lord answer every prayer? I don't think so. Um, because it's his will, not mine. Yeah. But I would say that, mm-hmm. that that prayer for me was answered. He went out sober and that was a blessing Yeah. to see him go out of, of sober mind and just almost, you know, did he, my dad didn't admit many faults and I still, I'm still not sure if he admitted <laughs> his, his abuse for all those years was if he would do it, wouldn't do it again. I'm sure he would, but he never did. But anyway, it was so about that. Yeah. So it was the best year of your relationship it, together. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, he had gotten sober before one time um, for six months and, you know, really got to, to learn his personality. And then, you know, my aunt, uh, she always talked about how he was growing up and, um, you know, in his family, that's what everybody did too. Now, one thing I have to, I would love to, to add before we get into Abby's story is that you were a extremely uh, competent and functional alcoholic. Like people don't know that about now. They see you as a, a very high end, very fit, a competitive athlete in our gym, but you would get up hung over every morning and go run. You're still working out. You look, you weren't fat. You weren't overweight. You were didn't Held drink job. Didn't drink <laughs> cokes. You know, no. You know, right. only people out of shape drink cokes. But you know, I'll drink other things. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, if you call it a high functioning, I, I was. I, I hadn't lost my job yet. I hadn't lost my wife. I hadn't lost my kids. Right. I hadn't killed anybody in a car yet. Yeah. And so you're real good at it. Uh, well, I guess <laughs> you know. I, you know, it's funny. Again, just in my opinion, just because somebody drinks himself to jump off a cliff doesn't mean they're more alcoholic than the other right you know Mm. it's to me it's the obsession in what that drives you to and and that obsession for us could be anything it could be food it could be pornography it could be money it could be gambling it could be anything um so you know i think the thing with alcohol and drugs is it changes the way you feel right yeah you know and so well to add what what you were saying um about him hiding it well so I actually know your story. I don't know if you know this. I know your story through your wife. Oh, yeah, well. Sure. So your wife and I went on a road trip some years back, and we were having a conversation in a car for a couple hours. And she opened up to me her heart that I had never known. And I I still hadn't told anybody what she told me, and and it's nothing that you probably yeah, wouldn't have shared with feel free to anybody else. But um, one of the things that reminded me of that is that she said in your small group Bible study mm-hmm. that you came out about it yeah. and shared that with your Bible study that you had been an alcoholic, and she said. Everyone was completely shocked. Yep. No one knew. 
They're like, and they're, yeah. And then I start crying, and they start crying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, but I remember hearing that and thinking, how does that happen? How just hide it? I mean, yeah, you hide it. You you know what to say, what to do, cologne, shower up. I don't know, so you don't smell. And then, I'll, I'll go get that. Let me let me run yeah, to the store. Uh, I got I, it. There it is. Yeah. That must be the difference, you know, because I'm not an alcoholic and I never have been. For me, alcohol is similar to to Will as we enjoy it, you know, to get a little buzz or to get chatty in a, you know, double date when Put it down. I need to have that. Um, so I've never had that needing to hide it type of thing. This is mind-blowing to me how that was just what you did. Just normal activity. Yeah. Almost like there's a moral culpability there where your conscience is telling you that you need to hide this. Yeah. You don't even know. I mean, you would assume your wife around the kids would have a problem with it. But, but you, everyone else, you're like, what? Well, I've got a problem. Something inside me telling me I need to go do by myself. Isn't that well, funny? Well, you know, I, it was about a year sober. And, you know, we're putting the kids to bed. And and I catch myself holding my breath around Ashley. And it's like, wow, you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> you know? wow. wow. It's like, you know, it's it's those little things that you just, I mean, it's as silly as there's a police car. Oh, wow. You know, people that aren't breaking the law don't care. usually don't yeah. care if there's a police car right there. Right. You know, right. When you're breaking the law, you know, you kind of get paranoid. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it was, it was, you know, you know, I don't have to hold my breath anymore. I can breathe. Wow. So, Abby, what's a little bit of your, your story, your history? I did not grow up with alcohol in the house. It, completely dry. Um, I found alcohol... I mean, I would say young, um, before, before the legal age, I uh, probably about 14 was my first experience with alcohol. And actually I was uh, sharing it with a member just the other day. Um, I had alcohol poisoning at 14 and was in the hospital. So dang, I was, that was back when they still, um, Whatever expunged your pumped your stomach, oh, pumped yeah. your stomach, yeah. yeah. So and that was 14. it was just that close, and yeah, I remember waking up and I would, I'd gone to a friend's party, and you know, I not growing up with alcohol in the house, you don't know how to handle alcohol. It's just like soda, yeah. Mm. And so, yeah. um, basically, woke up in the hospital, and my mom's there, and she says, Abby. I said, what's going on? And she said, uh, you drank too much. And that's all she said. And this is, oh, this is a, a woman, a, a godly woman who is a saint in my book. And all she said, and she didn't condemn me. She didn't yell at me. She didn't, she just sat by my side and said, you drank too much. And I was like, oh, I blew it. <laughs> I just remember thinking I blew it. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't do that again. Well, for a couple years later, went to another social gathering, high schoolers, dumb kids, had one beer, cops showed up, I'm put on ju- juvenile probation. Nice. Yeah. We Not a, a lot of people a know that. We in yeah. our Yeah. In our I got more trouble than you do. So you, when you say yeah. the cops are there, you're breaking the law, I'm like, oh, you, everything <laughs> in you clenches up. Like, don't look, don't look, don't breathe. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so you learned your lesson then. Yeah. But I mean- I learned to be smarter, mm-hmm. but I wasn't, I wasn't looking for outings to go drink at. I was just a dumb kid hanging out with the wrong people. 
Sure. I think had I, this is after my years of being a competitive gymnast and I got injured and I didn't know my way and found influence with the wrong crowd. And so I just hung out with the wrong kids who were doing dumb stuff on the weekends. You know, had had someone, someone smart enough seen my potential back then, said, here, let's guide you into another sport. Let's put your, everything that you have, let's guide it towards something positive. I wish I would have had that, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. But anyhow, um, I was just with the wrong kids. Um, in college, I was doing dumb stuff again. And as a mother of a daughter who will eventually go down that path, and for you dads with daughters, there, there are moments looking back at the things that I did in college, and I'm like, I only survived that by the grace of God. I know my parents were praying over me. I absolutely know my parents were praying for me because I didn't wake up in jail or the ER. I didn't wind up pregnant. I didn't, you know, like some, I didn't kill someone, you know, because I was doing dumb stuff. But early twenties, which 20s, is uniquely your experience. None of us had friends in high school or college that were dumb. <laughs> no, or, no right? did, we did dumb. Yeah, no. right. Yeah. But early we started businesses yeah. and things like yeah, that. Right. No, we <laughs> Good read a lot of books, studied. That's right. Good Public volunteer universes. work. Yeah, University of Tennessee and Georgia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lots of us around there. Yeah. So no, early twenties, I kind of. Um, Long story short, and some people know this, some people don't, but um, I got married, I would say young, some people younger, but I got married right at 22, and um, I don't I don't think I'll be dishonoring my husband to say, we almost got divorced within four months getting married, and it was, it was a shock, because it was kind of like, you know, as a girl, you, you plan your life, and everything's happy and you got a home and you get married and everything's great and then shattered. Um, and everything that I had thought was going to happen did not happen and um, really fell back on my faith during that time. Um, we hit rock bottom, but then we we fixed everything um, and we're still fixing things, you know, 18 years later. <laughs> But um, we're better now. But at the same time, I really figured out at the age of 22 who I was without the influence of others. Mm-hmm. I figured I figured out who I want to be. I don't have to answer to influence anymore. Um, if if I don't want to do something, I don't have to do something. But I'm drinking drinking ceased at that capacity of like younger years um i still liked drinking but not not to reach that stupid level of you know alcohol gives you superior powers of i don't know whatever and so you for our audience how old are you if you don't mind me i'm 40 okay congratulations thank you um and recently sounded like a year two years ago you decided to give up alcohol yeah so what that was, was happening in the years those mid-30s that yeah. made you want to come to a place to give up alcohol 
so I wasn't drinking heavy through my 20s or 30s, but maybe like it's it's that occasional drink. Yeah. That that special outing, that that one event that happens once or twice a year you that you're like to the end, wouldn't you? You know, and um, <laughs> you've been storing it up all year. Uh, yeah, so this is like, going to happen. I saw one of those events one time. Yeah, I'm sure you did. did. It was one the one. As, yeah, it was the one. As uh, as someone likes to call, drunk Abby's so fun. <laughs> She is. I would. I would attest to that. She dances. I, she bends uh, weird. She's a different person. I mean, I was like, wow. Dang it. Um. Yeah. So that that happens. That happens occasionally, or did happen, and and that was that was a good time, and I would let loose, and that was a different part of me, and that was great. But man, on the other end of it, waking up the next day, that was the horrible. You know all the all the side effects that you don't want to deal with, and I don't just. It's it, never worth it. No, the hair of the dog was never a thing that worked for me. So I was just, those 24 hours afterwards were just terrible. And after a while, it's just not worth it. Yeah. It's like, it's and, until the next time. You know? Yeah, until you forget about it. <laughs> until you yeah. forget about it, until right. there's another outing with great people. And So what happened a year and a half ago? So, um, and some a lot of people know about this, but a year and a half ago, I went to a wedding at a winery. Hey, Will was there. John was too. I was there. And I, I was in the car. That's right. John was wanting to go home early. No, I was fine. I was having a blast. Don't you remember, Abby? John was there. John I love was, that. I, I love going to the parties. You were there. Hang out with my wife. Enjoy everything. I'm starting to get an idea of why why that date happened. Who oh, yeah. Else? John who, was there. Who else was there? I was drinking wine. Wine is never my friend. I, yeah. I, I mm. Here's what I remember about that evening and what brought back memories uh, and, and the days to follow of, I don't want to do this again because something Pandora's box got opened that evening of something that I can remember that I used to do back in college um, was that I, I get to be kind of a sneaky drunk. I remember telling someone at the table, I'm going to go to the restroom real quick. I'll be right back. I didn't go to the restroom. I made a beeline to the bar and got two more drinks and took downed one glass of wine downed it didn't sip on it i downed it like it was beer Mm. and then when i came back i said something to someone a while later about yeah i I got another drink and they said yeah we saw you oh so i wasn't that sneaky after all Mm -hmm. but in my mind i was sneaky yeah you're not Um, the best covert kind of person just in general yeah (laughs) i think i am but maybe i'm not but I remember thinking in the days to follow, why do I do that? Why Why can I not just sip and enjoy a drink? And then 11, 11 months later, because I had talked about this with the members in the gym, and I, I won't out anybody on, on this podcast about that, but I invited people in this gym through a post in our private group hey, I'm in my 11th month. I'd like to meet, I'd like to reach my 12th month, make it a full year of being sober. Uh, if you want to join me in this whole month, if that interests you or not, join me. You don't You don't have to openly admit it or anything. Just let you know that I'm doing this and I'm inviting you to go along for this last month ride. I didn't know if I would continue it or not after. And... um 
one of the comments that really struck me and has struck me since, and I'm probably going to mess up this wording, it was one of our members, and you can go back and look at this post. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it said, one was too many and a hundred wasn't enough. And that struck a chord with me. And I thought, you know, I've never really thought of myself as an alcoholic, but when I drink... You drink alcohol. You go hard. I, yeah. Why, why just drink one? Yeah. And so I just thought, that's enough for me not to drink. You started that sort of. I remember when you were talking about doing that, and you were about to turn forty, and you mm-hmm. did it as this. You did timed it to where you were leading up with on a trip with your husband, and maybe you end the break then. And yeah, you know, I had all these theories, and then you did invite other people. You challenged our community in it, which was wonderfully beautiful. I thought, but it, it, at the beginning, you really, if I tried to get you to express the reason behind it, you had sort of these things. But your real reason was it's just a test of myself. I'm just trying to yeah. trying to think of something fun to do for my fourth. Can I do it? Yeah. And you and and what I loved is you really didn't need to have a whole lot of other deeper. Re- yeah, I've had bad experiences with alcohol, but yeah. we all have. Yeah. I don't really need I challenge myself with fitness tests all the time. I'm trying to seek weightlifting PRs. I mm-hmm. run miles, I do pull-ups. Like people like you that pursue excellence in their lives are always testing themselves. Yeah. So what are you capable of? Yeah. And that's a hard one you probably never considered. It's the same thing, can I read my Bible for every day for 30 days? Can I not drink for 30 days? Can I, you know, Turn, uh, wake up without my phone for 30 whatever those little challenges are in your life that was what started for you and then it became mm-hmm. almost addictive like yeah. hey i'm just gonna keep going how much longer can i go right. i'm just gonna keep going i'm right. just gonna keep and then you went on that trip no i didn't feel the need to drink then either yeah and it was like that was what it was cool to me he's like the more i pass this test the more i want to keep passing the test <laughs> yeah because it's it's interesting because i it wasn't that i didn't have the opportunity to drink and i was certainly around people who were offering me drinks but it was almost like um, you don't want to drink because everybody else is drinking. Right. We're you want to be different. Yeah. There's something cool about that in there. Yeah. Yeah. It it's takes, okay to be different. But it takes a minute. What I love, it takes a minute to get there. Oh, yeah. At first, it's hard. Yeah. It That got started when I, when I turned 22. That got started then. And it wasn't until I hit 40 that I realized who I was, what I'm here to do, my passion, my purpose, all that. Being okay with being different, being okay with saying no, yeah. being able to go to a social function where all the other ladies around me are drinking wine, and I'm like, no, I don't need to drink. I'm good. Well, but you you had to rely on past experiences, right? Like you know, th- it th- took those time. were painful. I, I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. And you know, until those lined up with, let's say, alcohol, that I can't drink if if I don't want to yeah. experience those things. Yeah. And you know, I, I love being able to go to places and, and parties and and just be present. Yeah. You know, I, I still have to fight being present. Yeah. It's just the way I'm wired. But, you know, I can do it. I don't have to get up and run around and hide to drink. And, you know, I can sit with my wife or get up and help out or leave early. I'm out of here. You're in total control. Of yes, yeah. I'm out of here. Will, what was your, just briefly, what was your history, just so we have a context Almost here. exactly identical to Abby's. I mean, my parents did it. We had alcohol in the house growing up, but it wasn't, uh, I do think in hindsight, now my mom, my grandfather was an alcoholic on both sides of my family. Um, fun, again, functional alcoholic, but this is, these are men out of the 40s, 50s, mad men era. When you came home, you started drinking from work and, and, and you know, you continued drinking until you had to stumble to bed. Um, and then I think in, as I noticed later in my life, my mom showed some of those same tendencies as well. 
but it was never an issue in our house. But I never enjoyed it. I remember the same thing. Probably I got drunk my first time in high school, threw up everywhere, and didn't do it again for several months or years. And then even in college, you know, we were around that scene, and I it just never was that. I, I did my fair share of it here and there, but I had a job. I, I, I viewed I always kind of viewed college and that time I was a means to an end. I, I wanted to get out of it, move on with my life. So every time I drank, it was solely for that. I never had found an alcohol I liked the taste of. The only time I could do it, if it's something I could mask enough of it, right? So it was always that for me. Is like, I'm, I did, everyone, I mean, I would argue almost everyone loves the feeling of being drunk and then hates the feeling that comes after that the next day. That was me. Um, so that that's kind of how my life went without, I would never drink at home. Like I don't, I don't have a beer with dinner or wine with dinner. I don't, I, I was never really into that. Yeah. Um, so I, I solely like it for the effect. Yeah. And, and really only that. Yeah. That makes so, sense. To the point where later in life now from doing this from a health standpoint, where I would even argue with people, if you're going to drink, that's actually the only, I mean, mark my words when I say this, but that's the only healthy way to do it. It's still very much not healthy, but, but it, from a health studied statistical standpoint, chronic drinking will kill you. You're chronically poisoning yourself. So it's yeah. much better to go all out once a quarter if you're going to mm-hmm. do that or whatever that time is. Yeah. You know, purge yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then you know, start again. And I can champion that. But Abby challenged me to that next level. I mean, th- that's why I, I, and now I almost never drink. Um, again, maybe at very special occasions and, and hardly even then because I am addicted to what Abby said. And that's the idea of being different. I love that. Hey, you I've talked about this in my gym. I built my gym because I was surrounded by people doing something a certain way. And as soon as I see that and see that, that trend, I love to try to go the opposite way and see if it'll work. Yeah. It's just a part of my personality. Um, so what about you? I think you're similar in a way, but yeah, my parents were definitely teetotalers. Like our, our church scene that I grew up in was like, if you drank, you weren't a Christian. Oh, right. was like, that was the end of the, the church spectrum that I was on. And so, um, I think I had my first drink like substantively when I was 18 or 19, we were going out to a club yeah. and somebody <laughs> poured me a rum and Coke and it was so nasty that I couldn't drink it. And so they dropped it into a funnel here we go. And I oh, funneled I like it that. Yeah. for the first one just to get it into my system. Yeah. Oh, and it was one of the big Georgia football game cups. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. Wow. Rum and Coke, wow. that big, fun. Serious. So like, I and for me, I was like, that was great because I didn't have to <laughs> taste it. And then we started driving to the to the club, and fourteen minutes into that drive, I'm like, hey, there's a problem here. Abort. <laughs> fourteen minutes in, Jason died. Yeah. <laughs> no, thankfully, that all just came out of the system pretty quick. Um, yeah. But then even in, in Athens, um, you know, like, but did that I, change the way you, you drank going forward? No, 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 no. Because yeah. I wasn't into that scene. I was right. still like a goody, goody, like the, the imprints of the, the church life that I grew up in was still all over me. And so that carried all the way through college. Um, didn't really drink in college and it really wasn't until I became an adult that, um, I started forming my own thoughts and opinions and not those of others. Mm. And I was like, I actually don't see any evidence in the Bible that you can't drink. Right. Matter of fact, the Lord Jesus like <laughs> tapped on some water and was like, let's keep this party going and turned it into wine. So like, there's not really any evidence that I could find. 
to not drink as I was raised to, to run away from it as, as hard as possible. Um, but even then, I don't love the taste of alcohol. I, I hate beer. It's the grossest thing ever. Um, I have come in my old age of, I guess, taste buds die. I like coffee now. I love coffee. And I enjoy um, some red wines that don't have the alcohol burn to them. Um, and I definitely love a, a mixed drink like a lemonade and Tito's. But, but would you, this is a question I always ask people when I give me that, just taste alone, would you, do you like Tito's and lemonade better than just lemonade? No, heck no. Right. That's a good, no, if long drink, as someone can admit no. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, Absolutely. I would rather have chocolate milk than correct. any alcohol. Thank you. So, like, you get, so you still have credibility in my life. Um, some people are like, no, Tito's and lemonade's better. I was like, there's no way that's true. No, it's just not true. Um, <laughs> so for me, I do enjoy um, taking the edge off. Like if it's um, me and Jen go on a date night and, you know, it's just, I'll have one drink and I'm okay with that. I don't have a problem. I can have one drink and I'm good with it. Takes the edge off, makes me more chatty, more smiley, helps me enjoy the evening. Not that I wouldn't enjoy it with Jen, but just I think for for her to enjoy it more, for me to be chatty and engaged that way or at a social event, I'll have a drink. Um, and so really it came through business as, you know, through my adulthood that drinks, especially at dinners and things with business is where it was introduced and, um, and it is such an effectively good thing in those environments. Social lubricant. That's right. um, it gets people talking. It takes, you know, um, superiors off of whatever level it is. And we're all now equals. Um, and so it was through that that I saw the, the benefit inside of a business environment of how alcohol helps some things. Yes, but can't that pendulum swing a little too far sometimes? Just like everything. Yeah. Absolutely, and oftentimes it does. Yeah. Um, so when it came to business, I actually instituted my own personal two-drink limit mm-hmm. um, just because I realized not only do I not need to run my mouth mm. um, because I would want a future in these companies, mm-hmm. um, but you, you watch so many people that don't have any personal convictions of limiting anything in their life and you just zero it takes it takes no no time at all at Uh a corporate event to be like um i don't want to be that person Uh and there's so many of them around you you're like i don't want to be any of these people all right so my husband has oh he'll love that i'm sharing this he has his motto whenever he goes to a corporate dinner outing whatever and his motto is live to tell the story don't be the story Mm like that yeah and i find a lot of truth in that and i'm thinking how many times was i the story yeah, yeah right yeah. <laughs> well, so let's but you could also be the story in the opposite end i let's talk about that let's talk about the social side of that because also if you're the one person not drinking at the event you could be the story right oh so, or, so that's what i'm interested yeah. to talk about socially how you navigate that it is a lubricant it is a tool I, and I want to talk about purpose later because one question that always runs in my head when I get kind of deep and philosophical is that alcohol, you said more chatty, more of this. Is alcohol make you more of who you are or change you or make you less of who you are? But when I'm challenging people with this, especially we have a nutrition company where alcohol is really holding them back from a health and nutrition standpoint. Like they're, they're overweight and, and we can see these identifiers. The second I identify, I try to challenge them to take alcohol out of their life, the first part they might say is it's, I have to drink for work. A lot of times they'll say that, or I have to drink for this. So this would be a fun thing to th- think about because both of you, like John, you're in sales. Oh, yeah. Buddy. Jason's in sales. I mean, 
for a lot of sales guys, this is a part of it. And, and there's a reason it's a part of it, right? It, it softens people up, lowers inhibitions, it closes deals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate that? I mean, I find it, I found it very simple. Uh, I mean, in the beginning, when I was new to sobriety, um, I, you know, I had these notions that I had to, right? Like mm-hmm. most people do. And I worked with a few people and would, before these meetings or whatever was going on, I'd have conversations and, hey, you don't have to do it. And, you know, you, you order a water, you order a a bubbly, yeah. and you just work through it. And it, nobody really cares. No one said anything? No. I mean, after a while, I, I remember, you know, I've, the company I'm with, I've been with for four years, and I remember, and they, they like to drink. Yeah. You know, they turn it on pretty yeah. heavy. And, you know, the next day, hey, so you don't drink. You know, you, you get those kind of questions. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times I use it as an opportunity to just depends on the relationship I have with the person yeah. is how deep I want to go with them or how willing they, how deep they want to go. And, you know, Ashley's all, and I've, through the years of my sobriety, you know, the first mistake I made, and sometimes I still do, is thinking just because somebody drinks, they drank like I did. Right. And that's not the case. You know, that, that's, that's me being judgmental. Uh, however, you know, I, I can see sometimes in, in a man's face yep, you know. when he's got it. Yeah. And, uh, however, it's, it's not, it's not for me to call him out on that. You know, if yeah. he wants help, maybe I can be the person, uh, through conversations or through other people that, that, so, you know, again, I think for, when people say that they have to for work, I mean, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. So it's never affected your income? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, if anything, the way I used to drink, I mean, probably hurt my maybe a little bit. One of the things I found interesting in in my previous career as a a sales manager, I had, you know, just I could see interactions of dozens of people. And so I knew who wasn't drinking. I knew who every time we went out just was like, no, thank you. It's fine. No big deal. What I came to find out is getting closer to them and building relationships is to a person, they were all an alcoholic mm-hmm. and they were abstaining because of that reason. And it gave me such respect for them. Yeah. I was like, wow. I was like, you're in this. It's a just simple, no thank you. And nobody's dogging on them. Nobody's asking questions. But to a person, they were all alcoholics and recovering alcoholics. Um, and it gave me such a conviction of, man, just who I'm around and how casually you can offer to buy drinks and knowing some alcoholic stories and any addictive personality, any addiction story, how close of a edge they could be on. Um, that was, that was really sobering. Um, I learned that. I wish I'm not really, I mean, we're all in sales to some extent, but I was in medical sales before this and it was very much the official, like take a doctor out to dinner, wine, I'm dying, I'm sort of thing. And I wish, certainly I was trying to force the wine and the, the pre-dinner cocktails down and this heavy steak, feel terrible the next day, the whole thing, to impress or to to join socially in and be seen as an equal among this doctor who's older than me, smarter than me, higher income than me, all these sort of things. And I wish I had the boldness now that I, back then, to, to not drink on purpose just to see if it would start a conversation. Because mm-hmm. I tell people now, we have clients now that do this and they do report back to me what I always suspect suspected would be true and that's that hey actually at first it was awkward then they asked me about it and i told them why and i said maybe i'm tracking my macros i'm trying to watch my weight and they're actually sort of inspired by it Mm -hmm. that's really cool 
And it almost made our sales relationship better <laughs> because it showed a level of transparency and honesty mm -hmm. that they respected. Hmm. Even though maybe they still drank, like they're not trying to join me on that, but they respected me for being different. Yeah. Because people who are different stand out. That's yeah. the truth. All the biggest leaders of our generation are people that are different. Elon Musk is a weirdo. Yes, he yeah, is. Yeah. He's different. So there's a reason why people who are different get noticed. Yeah. Um, and now, Abby, I, now you're not in sales, so to speak, but you're a, what I think is is cool to think about, you're a woman that's having to navigate alcohol is a big part of women's social lives. And everything, even sports, tennis, is centered around, from my experience, not just tennis, but centered around drinking with women. Mm. Women's wine nights, women's book clubs, Baby women's showers. Get baby showers. It's a part of our culture, just as much as it is men, is, is so for women. Neighborhood parties, kids' events. Mm -hmm. Has that been weird? I mean... Hard? Different? Different. Um, you know, when you go trick-or-treating with your kids and oh. a, par a, a homeowner pulls the parents aside and they said, you know, in the cooler in the garage, we've got adult drinks. Yeah. You know, but th these are for the kids. I'm good. Thanks. I'll have the kids oh, one. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll just take a bottle of water. I'm good. Um, no, but outings, um, showers and get-togethers and brunches and stuff that's <clears throat> I've learned in the beginning it was I don't want to draw attention to myself necessarily right. but I mean you know maybe I'll have a a what is it a um a, like a bubbly or whatever um some um water carbonated water. carbonated water and I'll ask for a lime twist yeah. and I've done this at a few different events where there's been a bartender and I'm around people that maybe I don't know is that because you're trying to fit in? Um, I just I just don't want to deal with the questions. Okay. But if somebody asks me what I'm drinking, I'll say, it's just carbonated water. Okay. It's seltzer water with a lime twist. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, oh, we're, we've got shots lined up. Do you want one? No, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. I've got plans to go running in the morning or go to the gym. They're like, oh, oh, okay. But at the same time, it's allowed me to focus more on who I am and what I value and where I see myself um, and align my intentions with that a little, I don't know, a, a little bit more seriously with that. So chase that um, trail just a second with me. It sounds like on some <clears throat> level making a commitment to this, which happened to be no alcohol. Yeah. Um, caused you to have to have some sort of, um, organization in your life, some sort of defining what you want, which has opened and unlocked other doors of what you want and yeah, probably. Uh, figuring out yourself. Yeah. I, I mean, that's very likely. If I can say from my observation as someone that obviously works with Abby and it talked her into working her on this team mm. long ago, I see an, an effect. And I, again, I don't think it's directly because you stopped drinking. You weren't drinking enough to cause that effect biologically, but that's why I go back to the idea of purpose. Mm -hmm. I think it's helped you define your purpose. When you say it's, I've decided who I, who, I, who I am, that's why my question is, do we think in hindsight, you two that don't drink anymore, the alcohol made you more of who you are or was it a distraction from who you are? Because it just so happened the time Abby quit drinking, she was also going through this idea, I'm turning 40, I've got my, I'm in an interesting place as a mom and, and, some, and some aging kids and I've got, a daughter and a son who are living out their purpose. And I need to be in that part of life. And then, uh, 
a, a, a possible passion and new career for you came into focus. Like, Hey, I might want to get into the education system and take this, this gift God has given me this talent. I do have, obviously I've been gifted in some natural physical talent. I'm different than other females in this way. I need to live this out. And so I saw that come together for you at that time all at once. And I don't think that's a coincidence. No, I, I mean, it's, it's, if I can remove myself, which I can't, but if I can try to remove myself and look at, look at this from a broad perspective of all these things that have happened just in the last year, since basically 2020, all these things. And I'm just realizing I, I'm, I'm just at a really cool place. You are. I'm, I'm, per, I'm, it's a busy place. Neck deep in grad school. Yeah. Um, and you know, in less than four weeks, I'm going to compete in a national weightlifting meet. Um, you know, I'm supportive of my kids. I've um, been outspoken about my health and my sobriety. Not that I, I hate saying that because, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, it, there, if there's something that in your life that controls you, uh, it, it may be a problem. And, yes, you weren't a daily drinker. You weren't some drunk living under the – but <laughs> when you did do that, you felt – it made you change the way you felt, and you didn't like that. So, the way I think about it, or I just did think about it, is is you know when I drank, basically a blanket of fog that I'm living behind that I can't see what Christ has in store for me. You well, can reach your potential. You well, I can tell you this. You know, you know, actually, I've been blessed by her desire. God's given her this desire to to adopt kids foster kids and let me tell you you know my drinking and being in fear mode all the time we're not doing that we don't have the money we don't have this we don't you know all these can'ts mm. and you know until i got honest with myself wow um was you know and again i mean the lord's the one that said john you got to trust me here man and, and if and again i'm not saying that alcohol is bad I, i'm not you know that's man you know do it it's great it's it's you know for you it was for me it was terrible <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. it was for me it was terrible yeah um it, it was a roadblock that for one thing you know i would have never seen what christ was going to do in my life and others and um so you know and, and i mean i could go countless number of things through the years that the lord's relieved me of or has given me hey john we got to work on this yeah i'm gonna bring this guy in your life he's gonna help you through it you know your wife Man, she kicks your butt. You need to hear this, and um, you know I'm I'm so thankful for that. <clears throat> and you know that's a whole other thing. Is man, what what of a, a better man I can be now a better in spouse. my marriage? A better spouse. Oh man, just was it ever? Is Ashley? Does she drink? Not really. I mean, she'll have a glass of wine, but I mean, yeah. she doesn't. No, I mean, she could care less. I mean, you know, right. I'm going over to to Will and Jason's house to drink. She's going over there to hang out and right. be with friends, you know, it's and different for her. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not, it's, you know, she'll leave a drink on the table. So John, you gave up daily drinking. What physical changes did you see come about? I mean, like, I'm assuming that when you remove a daily poison that you're putting into your body, cause that is at the end of the day, alcohol is poison. Um, what, what physical changes did you see? Well, at the time, I was running half marathons, training, you know, up at 5 o'clock, running, 
you know, all eating, just sweating eating it out. broccoli and chicken and, you know, all these things. John should be studied. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Well, I, I shared this with Will, and he's like, well, did you, you know, wake up hungover? I'm like, well, you know, hungover is just like breathing air. You just, what you, just, you wake up feeling happy. You just came with the territory, you know, yeah. you, you got up. But, you, you know, my, you know, my kids are probably going to listen to this and my wife. So, I mean, it's, it's fine. But, you know, my, my, my hungover time period was 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 at the same time every night three o'clock in the morning i would wake up miserable had to pee of course thirsty as all get out and uh, you know again it wasn't like i went tonight passed out on the couch i always put myself to bed you know did all the things that a, a, a good functioning husband drunk would do yeah and um but that was kind of when my hangover occurred and again hangovers for me were it's not like it was bad i mean i just you dealt with it and you moved on and it was okay but i mean from a physical standpoint i guess i was in a time in my life where it didn't really matter or maybe i wasn't you know i I don't i was eating healthy enough to where so he was working it out yeah i was working it out and then i mean again for me guys it it was a spiritual a spiritual and a mental thing that was really what was the the death you're a super high energy person anyways those gods made you your intense high energy person so i imagine as an alcoholic you were that as well it's not like you were more tired all day because you drank no or, or you quit drinking and have all this energy all of a sudden some people might report yeah you i know. mean i don't think so I, I yeah i wouldn't i mean i don't i know when i did quit drinking ashley was like i mean this this hurt when she said this uh, but she said i liked you better when you were drinking <laughs> Wow. What do you think she meant by well, that? Well, because I, you know, that intense, the intensity that you had, you know, I hung out in the garage and did all the stuff that I wanted to do. Yeah. She stayed inside and, you know, took care of the kids and I cook and running in and out. And then all of a sudden grilling's not as fun as it used to be. Right. <laughs> you right. know, cause now I got to be in and do life with people. And I didn't know how to do life with people. Mm. <laughs> See, it made you less of who you are, I think. It, that's my, it sounds like. Yeah, it, it, for sure. Stifled who you are. You are in a, God made you to be intent, and that's what I love about you. Now, I can get where that can be a lot for people sometimes, but the point is, is it was sequestering that. It was. Yeah, that, that's, I never thought that's right, Will. But, you know, back to Ashley's point is, you know, so it was really learning to do life. Together. Together on life's terms and not numb all the time. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I love that, that when you bring up the marriage side of that, and you have to learn to almost be married again because it's a new person your wife's married to in a way, you know? Yeah, I mean, because I, I've got a lot of character defects that that I guess the alcohol hid, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, now those are coming out and I got to deal with them. Yeah. Well, we've had we've had conversations here, and Abby's been a part of those, but even with members here that have experimented, it, maybe it's not alcohol, maybe it, it's giving up something that's a – that's because that's been a regular part of their relationship at home. And at what we do with nutrition clients, for instance, counting macros, there's this weird thing and this dynamic that happens that I hear couples go through where it's like, it's, it's a shame, but it's like, okay, maybe they're not drinking, maybe they're eating healthier. And it's almost like if their spouse isn't on board of that, they're almost bummed out for some weird reason, because this weird thing happens where it's like, an example would be it's your anniversary and your husband has organized this wonderful date. And you're going out, he's got you this nice restaurant reserved in Buckhead. You're going to go out, get dressed up. You go out to dinner, and then your wife orders a salad with grilled chicken on it. She could have got it Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I literally heard this story from one of our members. It's, like, it's a little bit like, you know, it's my, I can't do that in our intervention. My husband would be so upset. 
It's like, why can't you? And then I realized, well, of course you can't. Like there is a part of our culture and I don't know why that happens, but it is. It was almost like that dinner was less fun because my spouse isn't drinking and I am. Right. Or because I'm eating healthy and my spouse isn't. And that, that's a shame, but it's real. And we don't identify the reason for that. And I, I don't know if it's guilt from the other spouse feeling like, well, they're, they're, they're pursuing excellence at a level I'm not. And that makes me feel guilty. For men, there's probably a sexual connotation there. We're like, if my wife's not going to drink, chances of me, you know, later is not great. Or whatever's going on in our mind that's just like uneasy, set, unsettling. Like, I want, I, I want to be inspired by that. If my wife went to, dent, to a nice dinner where it is and she ate and her tracked macro food, I would wish, because our conversation could still be just as good. She still looks just as beautiful, maybe even better. She's not drinking, not, she's eating better. I don't know. Yeah. But there's a piece of your mind that isn't. It goes to this place. It's like. Well, I think I love what you said, and it's so true. If you start to eliminate some of those things, it's the question behind the question. Okay, so I want to get rid of that. Why do I feel anxious about that? At all. Why do I feel like I need to have a drink to be more chatty? Why does um, somebody's wife feel like they need to have a drink to have sex with their husband? Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Let's let's start really peeling into the, and like you said, you got to deal with some like real grown up things here. That okay, like there's maybe something deeper here that we should talk about and can really get better. One of the fascinating things. So uh, I had a heart issue a few years ago, and as part of that, like I started wearing a fitness tracker that just helps me be aware of some things. So one of the things that the the Whoop that I wear uh, tracks is HRV heart rate variability which I didn't know anything about before I started this. I still don't know a ton, but it essentially is tracking the difference between the two rhythms in your, in your body. Fascinating. Anybody who, so Synergy's got some of the people that wear whoops are in a little Synergy group. And so we can tell the next day who drank Mm -hmm. because immediately one drink, I'm not talking about two or getting drunk. Mm -hmm. One drink and your HRV is halved, if not wow. 25%. I've heard that. And so I started watching it, and I'm like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. And so what's that reasoning? And it comes back to your body is trying to process this poison, mm-hmm. and it keeps you in a state of stress. So what's really interesting is if I have a stressful day, my HRV is really low. Even if I had a great day, but I didn't know it. And I'll look at it and be like, why was my HRV? My body's obviously dealing with something internally that I wasn't maybe even aware of. Right. So it's given me a lot of awareness into these things that are going on on the inside. And essentially it's been really fascinating to watch that yeah. the, the instant effect of alcohol on every single person who wears a whoop and it gets to track that HRV. Right. Well, Abby shared earlier this year and we should mention it here again, it, this, Andrew Huberman, which a lot of guys know, does these great podcasts and breakdowns of just literature, peer-reviewed data, very unbiased, and he doesn't really opine on it at all. He just shares what all the clinical studies out there telling you about anything, any topic you can think of in health, generally about health. And he released one about the effects of alcohol. Took mm-hmm. all the studies out there that were peer-reviewed, well-studied. Let's get into what the real effects of alcohol on your body. And it has been going viral. And by viral, I mean viral in the health community. Like, it's not Joe right. Rogan. It's not going to do that because it's an unpopular topic. It's a very scientific and clinical topic. It's hard to get through. But in our communities, it is going viral. And I'm glad to see it. And he goes for three hours through all the effects. And Abby challenged a lot of people to listen to it. I finally got around to it, and it blew my mind. And it helped me enhance my job because you see 
course, it's, we're poisoning ourselves. But what is that really doing? And he's not, he, almost all of this data he gives isn't about people getting drunk. It's about people that are consuming what they call more than six drinks a week. So that could be one drink a day. That could be no drinks during the week, but three on Saturday and Sunday. You know, and when you A look, moderate drinker. A moderate drinker, yeah. they call it. Yeah. And when you look at it that way, that is a lot of people. A whole lot of people. It's a lot of people listening to this podcast. For sure. And people that wouldn't admit it, like, I don't drink that much. But if you really break it down to six drinks a week, you're like, oh, wait, uh, yeah. I've yeah. added up, I do. Yeah, do you a have six... two old fashions, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? Yeah. yeah. You've there done you it. go. Yep. And the health effects, I mean, are unbelievable. The chronic changes in your gut, microbiome system, mentally, the effects on dementia, later t- later stage Alzheimer's. The one that blew me away was the breast cancer stats. I've lived, I came out of the cancer industry in this, and even now, seeing we all know cases younger and younger women all the time they're developing breast cancer. You're like, what is up with that? There are lots of factors don't hone out alcohol, but the data on alcohol, like every time you have a drink, it's as high as a 13% chance that a, a, a cancerous genetic mutation is happening inside your body. Wow. 13%, that's pretty high. Yeah. That's pretty freaking high every time you have a drink. Now, I don't know that that's the cause of it, but it just shows you the health effects of this. The more I got into it, I'm like, when you talked about some people that could process it differently and process it better, and when John said, I could look and see that you may have it when I look at a man's eyes, he gave you in that episode, like, the people that are genetically and clinically predisposed to have issues from health and from addiction standpoints with alcohol, because I've, I've always been sort of nervous about that because I have a background, my, my, my parent, my grandfathers are both alcoholics, it's like, what is, can you do a blood test to tell, like, no, nope, but here's the way you decide from clinical studies. Give someone two or three drinks. Mm-hmm. Do they start feeling they are excited and more amped up and like, let's go? Or do they feel tired and need to go to bed? And as soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm the first one. You get an Abby's the first one. Mm-hmm. I'm the first one. Abby. John, you're probably the first one. I think you're the first. Yeah. So that's, that alone scared me. I know that about myself. I have a couple of drinks. I don't, my wife feels sleepy. Yeah, Jen does too. Right. But I know for myself, I want to keep going. And I'm like, let's get the music going. Right. Let's make this something. And it, that alone was like, okay. I know the kind of, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> Probably. A piece of it. Yep. A piece yep. of it. I've got it. Yeah. It gives me pause. Well, and you know, as we come into the holiday season, obviously this is a very timely podcast because there's so many more occasions, you know, you're going to have a work party or two. You're going to have a family get together or two. Yep. Our gym is going to have a get together or two. I mean, easily that was just three instances and that's five or six get togethers that we could be at that all are very sociably acceptable to drink, even if you don't drink any other times. Um, and so I think it's a really good time uh, for us to be having this conversation just from the season of um, holidays that it's going to be presented even more than regular life that um, that we need to keep it top of mind because if we're going to have a functional life, this is a piece of it. And for a lot of people, it's hindering a functional life, um, even if it's just marginal gains or, or losses. But Sure. It's a big piece. What would you all say if your listeners on the way out, if you had to give them one message uh, from your own life to think about with alcohol, what would that be? You have something you challenge someone with? Well, I, I mean, you know, until, I mean, I, I guess I, I'm speaking, like, let's say I'm speaking to a problem drinker. Yeah. Um, you know, until you're ready, you're not going to get help. You know, and so, I, you know, what will you say? What does that mean? Well, you know, you have to understand, you have to, just like Abby said when Ashley told the story, you know, I, I got honest with myself first and with others. And then that's when 
a man or a woman are ready to make a change, whether yeah. it's alcoholism, drugs, all of the other things. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I just and I I love to be that guy that yeah. that can that can help um, if if ever. You're fine with us putting your contact information. Man, do it. You got it. But but remember, they got to be ready. I can't make your husband right get sober. Right. Um, but it's um, that's all. Awesome. And just love them through it, right? You know, just love them through it, whatever that looks like. But that's great. It's, anyway, I, I'm thankful that you guys were. Yeah. It needs to be talked about more, doesn't it? It does. It, I mean, it really does. And it's. Uh, There's people that are listening to this and this blow it off in the beginning, like, ah, well, not, they, I, I love this. I, I have no problem with alcohol. I enjoy it. And, and I'm, I don't judge that. You're like, yeah, you're in that. Well, and, and most people do, right? I mean, they do. They enjoy it. It's great. I mean, it's fun. And I'll shut up after I say this, but, you know, I still have this notion in the back of my mind that I can go to a party and it's going to be fun and I can have a drink or two yeah. and dance with my wife and just have a big time. And it's just the reality is I can't. So it's still there. Oh yeah, I have to. I mean, every day. I mean, do I have to fight it? I, I mean, I think so. I, I yeah. fight it with 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 passion, and and it's 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 death, life or death to me. If if yeah. I decide to take a drink today, that's how serious I take it. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Abby, what would you say? Do you have anything you would challenge people with? Or. Mm. Well, <clears throat> I think society as a whole sells alcohol as like sexy, sex sells whatever. Yeah. Um, and I've had conversations and you kind of touched on this earlier about the disparity between when one spouse views having a good time this way and the other spouse views having a good time this way. And they are clearly not on the same paths. Yeah. And that creates such a huge divide in a relationship. And if you can't be walking the same path together, I mean, it's, it's just, you're making it more difficult than it needs to be. But, um, and excuse my language with this, but I read something that j just kind of made me giggle. And I was like, well, that's so true. But it's it, from a woman's perspective. And it said, there's nothing sexier than when a man has his shit together. Wow. And, and you know, huh. an alcoholic man or a man who cannot say no and who cannot cut himself off. It, it, it's just not sexy. Wow. And I've heard, and, you know, here we are in this gym some people have no filters and I'll just say that um, some members just flat out will say, I want to have more sex with my wife. How do I get that to happen? And I'm like, I don't know your wife first off. Um, really? I can't. Uh, okay. Cool. Good for you. Um, and I'm like, maybe get on the same page with your wife yeah, as far as like, idea. how about that? Yeah. <laughs> diet and exercise. I mean, one of you comes here as a member and one of you doesn't. One of you drinks like a fish on the weekend, one of you doesn't. And I'm I'm yeah. I'm not trying to pigeonhole anybody here or anything, but yeah, I mean if we're about functional fitness, functional life, functional community, wouldn't it make sense to be all on the same page? Hmm. <laughs> you know, when that happens, your relationships flourish. Wow. Everything's just great. That was really good, Abby. Yeah, Abby. Yeah. Well, Goodness. I, I want to say thanks to both of y'all for coming on and talking to Thank us you. about this because Thank I think you. a lot of people We're I know here locally in this community, we certainly have listeners from way outside of it, but very, both of you are very highly respected here. And I can talk this stuff and there's like, oh, here's Will going another rant again. You know, mm -hmm. And, and uh, You're it, good at it. it doesn't always land. But to hear their peers say it, 
And I think, Jason, at the very least, this is a good time with the holidays coming, like you mentioned, for at least people to maybe take a step back. I would say don't nothing more than look at your relationship with alcohol. I'm not saying stop drinking. I'm not saying drink more. Yeah. <laughs> saying maybe look at it and say, hey, from a neutral standpoint, is this something I should investigate? Is this a place in my life I could challenge myself in? Is this yeah. a place that could lead to health benefits, could lead to weight loss, could lead to more confidence? Or if it could lead to your income going down, maybe don't do it. I don't know. Yeah. But I think those are questions that certainly we have leaders here that would be willing to talk to you about that. Well, and I can guarantee you if there's people out there that want to start that process and want somebody to walk alongside them, you two would be happy, to, to, be happy to check in with them and, and encourage them along the way. Even if it's just two weeks, start somewhere, you know. Um, I think it's great. We also you know, need to mention that we've got a partner in this, and that's Lululemon. Um, they are super gracious to, to be partnering with the functional life podcast. And I've got my Lululemon polo on here. Got John's got a t-shirt. Yeah. Will's got on some shorts. So, um, yeah. obviously they're a big part of the functional life. And as we're learning, especially as us guys that are getting into Lulu, that it's not just stretchy pants for ladies, that it's for us too. And it's not only for the gym, but it's also for work. So, uh, thank you to Lululemon for that. I believe we have a gift for you guys or we do. Will. Coming. Oh, wow. A little yep. gift from our sponsors. And and so, yes, like Jason said, thank you once again to that. Um, there they are right now. Speaking of perfect timing. Yep. Oh, wow, that is perfect. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, your all's time today. Another great discussion, I think, in part of all of our lives. And um, and we'll tag uh, John's, uh, we'll not put his cell phone, but we'll get you his Instagram or something down there. Y'all can reach out to him. Uh, we'll put the Hubberman link, same with Abby in the show notes, uh, the link to that podcast, I'm going to keep putting out there because I think everyone can benefit from listening to that. Yeah, it's uh, a fantastic. It is. If you can get through some really scientific, boring stuff, yeah. just listen to the heart of it. Uh, I'm not ever going to quit sharing that, I don't think. So yeah. uh, that'll be in the notes. And uh, until next time. Have Thank, you Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.